Hey guys and welcome to Soul Hangout. This is Bianca, also known as La Bianchis. And thank you all for listening and coming and tuning in. I apologize for being in my for so long. Um, and so today, it's a very special podcast because it's the beginning of a new beginning. No, but for real, like, the podcast that I'm thinking of now is a little bit different than what I was thinking of making it before. So, like, it's still so hangout, but I'm, I'm like, going in a different direction, kind of. You'll see. You'll see if you if you stick long enough with me, you'll you'll find out what I'm what I'm saying, okay? But if you heard me in 2020, I only had like 3 episodes. Um and basically what I was trying to start out with was a, a series of 7 days different topics leading up to my birthday um it was gonna be like one po- uh one podcast series no that sounds a little bit intense I mean it is intense but not that intense uh, it was yeah basically seven episodes one each day each day was a different topic um and I published them I would publish them every day um, seven days prior to leading, oh my god, I can't talk, um, seven days leading up to my birthday, um, and well, I failed miserably, which is okay, it is okay, that is a very ambitious goal, there's nothing wrong with that, um, but I didn't achieve it, I am mad at myself though, because, shoot, 2020 was a crazy year, and I definitely went through the notions of crazy 2020. Although, even though I say crazy, I mean, I mean crazy because there was a lot of roller coaster rides, you know, emotionally, mentally. I feel like even physically, you know, we all went through it. And, um, but I learned a lot. A lot of things changed. I was able to, like, you know, sit back and think of a lot of things that I hadn't taken the time to process. And, well, uh, the podcast, I just had to put it on pause, you know, for a while until every, everything settled out. And luckily, right now, everything has settled down. Um, I mean, I feel like life never really stops or, you know, chills out for a little bit. It just kind of just, you know, moves along. It's like almost like a current. It's like a river current. You know, it has its seasons. There's seasons that it's it rains a lot and it's very heavy. The river widens. Um, and then there's other seasons where it doesn't really rain at all and it's really dry and, you know, there's no water. So that's kind of how I see it. But anyways, and... I guess also what I want to incorporate to Soul Hangout now is also a little session of palabra. And really, palabra means word. 
um, in Spanish, but I, I, I want to incorporate honoring palabra. And I'm going to call this section of it palabra over copal. And why is palabra important, though? I mean, I guess I should say that palabra is important, but a why? Because, like, if you're like me, I don't know. I think some, some, I used to think, and I'm trying to get out of this thinking process, but I used to think, like, okay, well, who am I to, like, give advice to somebody else, you know? I don't got it all figured out. Like, who am I to to help this person, you know, when I don't even know or or I don't even have it together myself, you know? And so that's how I was thinking, but I don't I don't want to think like that. And the reason why is cuz I've I've noticed that people who share their palabra or you know, they just share a piece of their heart, sometimes it it help somebody else without you actually expecting it or knowing it you know it just it's just one of those mysterious things that works in miraculous ways you know um but palabra can be very powerful and healing and pues this podcast is about healing and your spiritual journey and all that so that's perfect right Y pues también, this is also, I just also want to dis- put a disclaimer out there. Uh, this is just based on my experience. Everything I say on this podcast is just based on my experience. I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything, but but who is to say, who is anybody to say that someone's experience isn't a valid reason or isn't a valid way of seeing the world or 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 giving credit to the world, you know? So I mean, some, people's experience speaks for a lot in anything. And I feel like nowadays we don't really give credit to people who experience things anymore. Like oh, it's just like, oh, well that's just what they said, you know? People say uh, but that's just what they say. That's that was their perspective, you know. And and fair, everybody has a different perspective and whatnot. But but their experience is also a learning class, you know. Sometimes by talking to somebody else, you learn so much more from about the world and about yourself and about others just by listening to somebody else, you know. So. Um, that's just a little disclaimer here, so don't, don't, just, just don't, just, if you're going to be that type of person, a Karen, just don't listen, okay, just move on to the next podcast, but anyways, going back to the point about this being a special podcast today, um, it's because, the reason I say that is because we're going to go back into time. I'm going to take you back to the start of it all. To the years where I remember starting this spiritual journey of mine where I started to awaken. Um, and it was 
I guess I can't really measure when it all started, you know, because I feel like since I was young, I've always had a different, like, this, like, different view to the world. Um, and I guess maybe a lot of us have felt that way because we're we're all the same, but some of us are more asleep most of our lives than not. Um, because there's so much distraction going around us. And I know that that conversation sometimes might sound taboo because everybody seem, seems to be going on that trend right now. But it's not taboo. You know, there's a reason why a lot of people are talking about it and are so interested in it because we're remembering like who we are and what we're capable of like we've been we've been distracted for so long and and now that we're starting to awaken you know these are the questions that we are in search of most of the time questions about like who we really are where we really come from um you know is like where we go after we leave Oh, just things like that. And sometimes it's not even that we're like actually actively on a daily basis looking for these for these answers, but you know, it's 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 just cool. It's 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 crazy and, and it takes your breath away when you learn about these energies and things that like we don't get taught uh when we're young in school. We don't get taught in schools, we don't get taught anywhere about this stuff like we almost have to go and dig it ourselves and like keep digging until we you know keep finding out things and we never stop um but yeah uh the book the alchemist yeah so i remember it was probably like my college years when i like straight out of high school into college is when I started kind of feeling like things were waking up inside of me. And I'm not sure if that's because uh, I started going to college and like a different perspective of life um, was upon me or if um, like because I was exposed to different people, exposed to different things um, that I had no... I had no awareness of and that I remember I was just I don't know I just felt like I was waking up and it wasn't until I read The Alchemist that I remember starting to put I was starting to put pieces together or I guess in a better sense I was starting to create a a map of my the way that I (laughs) I can't even, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like uh, I was creating my own philosophy of life. And I was beginning to put pieces together of my philosophy and my version of how I saw the world. Um, And so in a sense, like, I feel like that's a spiritual awakening, you know, because I was digging. I started to question a lot of things that I knew or I thought I knew um, and just kept digging more and more um the alchemist man i i always have great things to say about the alchemist uh the alchemist has never 
done me wrong. Uh, the Alchemist has broadened my horizons of thinking. Even though it's a fiction story, I feel like there's a lot of truth to to it, to its existence, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it's a very magical book, I can say that. Um, every time I read it, I get something different out of it. Um, what else can I say about it, man? Like, it's an easy read. So if if you have a hard time keeping up with reading, it's an easy read, and it's a very so it's so interesting, guys. It's so interesting of a book that you just want to keep reading until you're like done with it. Um, and I can say that for. All the people that I've asked what they think about The Alchemist, that's something common they say. That it's an easy read and that it's just so interesting. It keeps you intrigued the whole time that you just want to keep reading until you're done. Um, so if that's, that's something that you think you need in your life, pick up The Alchemist. Go and uh, order it off from Amazon or anywhere you can get it from and start reading we'll read it together and 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 i've probably honestly read this book about 50 times no joke maybe more or less but um every time i've gotten something different or like or like i've also noticed something in the literature that i didn't the last time or something stuck out to me like a quote stuck out to me a lot this time and um that didn't like the last three times I read it so it just depends you know I think and I was thinking about this the other day too I was like what what, I wonder what that is but what I came to conclusion was that it's probably like whatever you're going through in life at that time is like what your soul is seeking you know it only it only seeks for certain things so like it only finds certain things or like you know other things are there uh but your soul only sees what it needs to see at that moment you know so maybe that's what it is that's why I've gotten something different out of it every time Uh, because I remember well the first time I ever read it was for a class it was for like a business entrepreneurship class in college um and so obviously like there was questions um and essays I needed to read or not read but write about this book uh versus other times when I read it for just pleasure um just because I was like, one time I remember I read it because I was feeling lost. I didn't know in what direction I was trying to go uh, with my life. I was either, I think this time was when I was trying to give up art um, out of my life because I wanted to be professional businesswoman, según yo. Um, <laughs> being an artist, that was never going to work out. But it was a phase, and I remember when I read that book, you know, I got a whole different perspective than I did the first time of the book. So it's things like that that I think uh, 
changes every person's perspective about something or you know or or the reason why I always come across a different thing out of the book every time I read it I so I hope you're excited as I am about reading The Alchemist I, th- I think it's been a f- man I think it's been like five years since I've read it so I'm actually kind of excited to read it too um so at this time I think I'm ready to start reading. I don't know about you, but um, go ahead and put pause on this podcast or this episode. Go get your snacks. Go get you some water, your reading glasses. If you want to put on some little hierbas to 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 burn, um, you know, to copal, a, a little warm blanket if you live in some states where I am, where it's super snowy outside. Um, I don't know, just get yourself comfortable. We're going to be reading this for a while. I will be taking breaks in between podcasts, and I think I will break up the book into a few episodes. I keep saying podcast when it's episodes. I mean episodes, guys. Um, so I think it'll be about maybe three episodes or four to finish the book, but either way, I'm not in a rush. Um, okay, guys, well, I'll, I'll see you guys in a in a few minutes. Introduction I remember receiving a letter from the American publisher Harper Collins that said that Reading The Alchemist was like getting up at dawn and seeing the sunrise while the rest of the world still slept. I went outside. I looked up to the sky and thought to myself, so the book is going to be published in English. At the time, I was struggling to establish myself as a writer and to follow my path despite all the voices telling me it was impossible. And little by little, my dream was becoming reality. Ten, a hundred, a thousand... A million copies sold in America. One day, a Brazilian journalist phoned to say that President Clinton had been photographed reading the book. Sometime later, when I was in Turkey, I opened the magazine Vanity Fair, and there was Julia Roberts declaring that she adored the book. Walking alone down a street in Miami, I heard a girl telling her mother, You must read The Alchemist. The book has been translated into 56 languages, has sold more than 20 million copies, and people are beginning to ask, what's the secret behind such a huge success? The only honest response is, I don't know. All I know is that like Santiago, the shepherd boy, we all need to be aware of our personal calling. What is a personal calling? It is God's blessing It is the path that God chose for you here on earth. Whenever we do something that fills us with enthusiasm, we are following our legend. However, we don't all have the courage to confront our own dream. Why? There are four obstacles. The first, we are told from childhood onward that everything we want to do is impossible. We grow up with this idea, and as the years accumulate, so to do the layers of prejudice, fear, and guilt. Let me say that again. So does the layers of prejudice, fear, and guilt. 
There comes a time when our personal calling is so deeply buried in our soul as to be invisible, but it's still there. If we have the courage to disinter dream, we are then faced by the second obstacle, love. We know what we want to do, but are afraid of hurting those around us by abandoning everything in order to pursue our dream. We do not realize that love is just a further impetus, not something that will prevent us going forward. We do not realize that those who genuinely wish us well want us to be happy and are prepared to accompany us on that journey. Once we have accepted that love is a stimulus, we come up against the third obstacle, the fear of the defeats we will meet on the path. We who fight for our dreams suffer far more when it doesn't work out because we cannot fall back on the old excuse. Ah, well, I didn't really want it anyway. We do want it and know that we have staked everything on it and that the path of the personal calling is no easier than any other path except that our whole heart is in this journey. Then, we warriors of light must be prepared to have patience in difficult times and to know that the universe is conspiring in our favor, even though we may not understand how. I ask myself, are defeats necessary? Well, necessary or not, they happen. When we first begin fighting for our dream, we have no experience and make many mistakes. The secret of life, though, is to fall seven times and to get up eight times. So why is it so important to live our personal calling if we are only going to suffer more than other people? Because once we have overcome the defeats, and we always do, we are filled by a greater sense of euphoria and confidence. In the silence of our hearts, we know that we are proving ourselves worthy of the miracle of life. Each day, each hour is part of the good fight. We start to live with enthusiasm and pleasure. Intense, unexpected suffering passes more quickly than suffering that is apparently bearable. The latter goes on for years and without our noticing, eats away at our soul until one day we are no longer able to free ourselves from the bitterness and it stays with us for the rest of our lives. Having disintered our dream, having used the power of love to nurture it and spend many years living with the scars, we suddenly notice that what we always wanted is there waiting for us perhaps the very next day then comes the fourth obstacle the fear of realizing the dream for which we fought all of our lives oscar wilt said each man kills the thing he loves and it's true the mere possibility of getting what we want fills the soul of the ordinary person with guilt we look around at all those who have failed to get what they want and feel that we do not deserve to get what we want either. We forget about all the obstacles we overcame, all the suffering we endured, all the things we had to give up in order to get this far. I have known a lot of people. When their personal calling was within their grasp, went on their 
commit series of stupid mistakes and never reach their goal when it was only a step away. This is the most dangerous of the obstacles because it has a kind of saintly aura about it, renouncing joy and conquest. But if you believe yourself worthy of the thing you fought so hard to get, then you become an instrument of God. You help the soul of the world and you understand why you are here. Signed, Paulo Coelho, Rio de Janeiro, November 2002, translated by Margaret Jo Costa. P.S. Okay, guys, in case I didn't make it clear earlier, I am not selling the book. I am not telling you to get it. I mean, well, I guess I am telling you to get it if you wish to get it. Um, but I am not here marketing the book. I'm not here making sales off of the book. Uh, nobody's paying me to talk about the book. Um, I'm not being sponsored to talk about the book. I'm just here to invite you to read the book because it's a good read. Um, good feels. I've read it so many times. And... Well, if I'm selling it to you, I guess I must be a good salesperson or it's actually really good. So do what you want. And if you're here to read the book with me, then cool. Let's get it. Prologue. Translated by Clifford E. Landers. The alchemist picked up a book that someone in the caravan had brought. Leafing through the pages, he found a story about Narcissus. The alchemist knew the legend of Narcissus, a youth who knelt daily beside a lake to contemplate his own beauty. He was so fascinated by himself that one morning he fell into the lake and drowned. At the spot where he fell, a flower was born, which was called the Narcissus. But this was not how the author of the book ended the story. He said that when Narcissus died... The goddesses of the forest appeared and found the lake, which had been fresh water transformed into a lake of salty tears. Why do you weep? the goddesses asked. I weep for Narcissus, the lake replied. Ah, it is no surprise that you weep for Narcissus, they said, for though we always pursued him in the forest, you alone could contemplate his beauty close at hand. But was Narcissus beautiful? the lake asked. Who better than you to know that, the goddesses said in wonder. After all, it was by your banks that he knelt each day to contemplate himself. The lake was silent for some time. Finally, it said, I weep for Narcissus, but I never noticed that Narcissus was beautiful. I weep because each time he knelt beside my banks, I could see, in the depths of his eyes, my own beauty reflected. What a lovely story, the alchemist thought. Part 1 The boy's name was Santiago. Dusk was falling as the boy arrived with his herd at an abandoned church. The roof had fallen in long ago, and an enormous sycamore had grown on the spot where the sacristy had once stood. He decided to spend the night there. 
He saw to it that all the sheep entered through the ruined gate, and then laid some planks across it to prevent the flock from wandering away during the night. There were no wolves in the region, but once an animal had strayed during the night, and the boy had had to spend the entire next day searching for it. He swept the floor with his jacket and lay down. Using the book he had just finished reading as a pillow, he told himself that he would have to start reading thicker books. They lasted longer and made more comfortable pillows. It was still dark when he awoke, and looking up, he could see the stars through the half-destroyed roof. I wanted to sleep a little longer, he thought. He had had the same dream that night as a week ago, and once again he had awakened before it ended. He arose and, taking up his crook, he began to awaken the sheep that still slept. He had noticed that as soon as he awoke, most of his animals also began to stir. It was as if some mysterious energy bound his life to that of the sheep, with whom he had spent the past two years leading them through the countryside in search of food and water. They are so used to me that they know my schedule, he muttered. Thinking about that for a moment, he realized that it could be the other way around, that it was he who had become accustomed to their schedule. But there were certain of them of who took a bit longer to awaken. The boy prodded them, one by one, with his crook, calling each by name. He had always believed that the sheep were able to understand what he said. So there were times when he read them parts of his books that had made an impression on him, or when he would tell them of the loneliness or the happiness of a shepherd in the fields. Sometimes he would comment to them on the things he had seen in the villages they passed, but for the past few days he had spoken to them about only one thing, the girl, the daughter of a merchant who lived in the village they would reach in about four days. He had been to the village only once the year before. The merchant was the proprietor of a dry goods shop, and he always demanded that the sheep be sheared in his presence so that he would not be cheated. A friend had told the boy about the shop, and he had taken his sheep there. I need to sell some wool, the boy told the merchant. The shop was busy, and the man asked the shepherd to wait until the afternoon. So the boy sat on the steps of the shop and took a book from his bag. I didn't know shepherds knew how to read, said a girl's voice behind him. The girl was typical of the region of Andalusia, with flowing black hair and eyes that vaguely recalled the Moorish conquerors. Well, usually, I learn more from my sheep than from books, he answered. During the two hours that they talked, she told him she was the merchant's daughter and spoke of life in the village, where each day was like all the others. The shepherd told her of the Andalusian countryside and related the news from the other towns where he had stopped. It was a pleasant change from talking to his sheep. How did you learn to read? The girl asked at one point. Like everybody learns, he said, in school. Well, if you know how to read, why are you just a shepherd? The boy mumbled in an answer that allowed him to avoid responding to her question. He was sure the girl would never understand. He went on telling stories about his travels and 
Her bright Moorish eyes went wide with fear and surprise. As the time passed, the boy found himself wishing that the day would never end, and her father would stay busy and keep him waiting for three days. He recognized that he was feeling something he had never experienced before, the desire to live in one place forever. With the girl with the raven hair, his days would never be the same again. But finally, the merchant appeared and asked the boy to shear four sheep. He paid for the wool and asked the shepherd to come back the following year. Now it was only four days before he would be back in that same village. He was excited and at the same time uneasy. Maybe the girl had already forgotten him. Lots of shepherds passed through selling their wool. It doesn't matter, he said to his sheep. I know other girls in other places. But in his heart he knew that it did matter. And he knew that shepherds, like seamen and like traveling salesmen, always found a town where there was someone who could make them forget the joys of carefree wandering. The day was dawning, and the shepherd urged his sheep in the direction of the sun. They never have to make any decisions, he thought. Maybe that's why they always stay close to me. The only things that concerned the sheep were food and water. As long as the boy knew how to find the best pastures in Andalusia, they would be his friends. Yes, their days were the same, with the seemingly endless hours between sunrise and dusk, and they had never read a book in their young lives, and didn't understand when the boy told them about the sights of cities. They were content with just food and water, and in exchange, they generously gave of their wool, their company, and once in a while, their meat. If I became a monster today and decided to kill them, one by one, they would become aware only after most of the flock had been slaughtered, thought the boy. They trust me, and they've forgotten how to rely on their own instincts, because I lead them to nourishment. The boy was surprised at his thoughts. Maybe the church, with the sycamore growing from within, had been haunted. It had caused him to have the same dream for a second time, and it was causing him to feel anger towards his faithful companions. He drank a bit from the wine that remained from his dinner of the night before, and he gathered his jacket closer to his body. He knew that a few hours from now, with the sun at his zenith, the heat would be so great that he would not be able to lead his flock across the fields. It was the time of day when all of Spain slept during the summer. The heat lasted until nightfall, and all that time he had to carry his jacket but when he thought to complain about the burden of its weight he remembered that because he had the jacket he had withstood the cold of the dawn we have had to be prepared for change he thought and he was grateful for the jacket's weight and warmth the jacket had a purpose and so did the boy his purpose in life was to travel, and after two years of walking the Andalusian terrain, he knew all the cities of the region. He was planning on this visit to explain to the girl how it was that a simple shepherd knew how to read, that he had 
attended a seminary until he was 16. His parents had wanted him to become a priest and thereby a source of pride for a simple farm family. They worked hard just to have food and water, like the sheep. He had studied Latin, Spanish, and theology, but ever since he had been a child, he had wanted to know the world, and this was much more important to him than knowing God and learning about man's sins. One afternoon, on a visit to his family, he had summoned up the courage to tell his father that he didn't want to become a priest, that he wanted to travel. Ooh, let's stop right there. This one, this one, I think if, if you're in search of a deeper meaning in life or you're like on a spiritual path like me, I feel like this one speaks to us a lot, uh, especially where it says that uh, he had a plan uh, to attend the seminary uh, until he was 16, and then his parents wanted him to become a priest, which was going to be the source of pride for you know a simple farm family. Um, then that was always the, the 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 plan for him, right? And I guess him from when he was little, he always knew he wanted to travel. Um, and I guess one day he just thought that that was way more important than knowing God and listening to people's sins, right? So he ended up basically telling his parents one day that I'm sorry I have to let you down because I am gonna go after my happiness right and that's sometimes really hard to do and those and this one's for those of you who maybe right now are currently in a situation where uh, you don't know what to do uh, you find yourself in a place where you want to move forward but you might you're looking in a different direction because the original plan isn't working or it doesn't appeal to you anymore maybe you outgrew it too you know a lot of things happen in between um a lot of things never really happen the way we hope for them to happen or how the way we plan them right so that's the whole thing about just it's a journey, you know, I guess we're going with the flow, right? So, hang in there, guys. And it's okay to change direction at different times of your life, uh, many times of your life. It's not just going to happen once, it's going to happen many times that you, you think you have a plan, and you do have a plan, right? But then things happen in between that just a lot of the times takes you in a different direction that you never thought you know so it's very important to just go with the flow guys people from all over the world have passed through this village son said his father they come in search of new things but when they leave they are basically the same people they were when they arrived they climb the mountain to see the castle and they wind up thinking that the past was better than what we have now. They have blonde hair or dark skin, but basically they're the same as the people who live right here. 
but I'd like to see the castles in the towns where they live, the boy explained. Those people, when they see our land, say that they would like to live here forever, his father continued. Well, I'd like to see their land and see how they live, said his son. The people who come here have a lot of money to spend, so they can't afford to travel, his father said. Amongst us, the only ones who travel are the shepherds. Well, then I'll be a shepherd. His father said no more. The next day, he gave his son a pouch that held three ancient Spanish gold coins. I found these one day in the fields. I wanted them to be part of your inheritance, but use them to buy your flock. Take to the fields, and someday you'll learn that our countryside is the best and our women the most beautiful. And he gave the boy his blessing. The boy could see in his father's gaze a desire to be able himself to travel the world, a desire that was still alive despite his father's having had to bury it over dozens of years under the burden of struggling for water to drink, food to eat, and the same place to sleep every night of his life. The horizon was tinged with red and suddenly the sun appeared. The boy thought back to that conversation with his father and felt happy. He had already seen many castles and met many women, but none the equal of the one who awaited him several days hence. He owned a jacket, a book that he could trade for another, and a flock of sheep. But most important, he was able every day to live out his dream. If he were too tired of the Andalusian fields, he could sell his sheep and go to sea. By the time he had had enough of the sea, he would already have known other cities, other women, and other chances to be happy. I couldn't have found God in the seminary, he thought, as he looked at the sunrise. Whenever he could, he sought out a new road to travel. He had never been to that ruined church before, in spite of having traveled through those parts many times. The world was huge and inexhaustible. He had only to allow his sheep to set the route for a while, and he would discover other interesting things. The problem is that they don't even realize that they're walking a new road every day. They don't see that the fields are new and the seasons change. All they think about is food and water. Maybe we're all that way, the boy mused. Even me. I haven't thought of other women since I met the merchant's daughter. Looking at the sun, he calculated that he would reach Tarifa before midday. There, he would exchange his book for a thicker one, fill his wine bottle, shave, and have a haircut. He had to prepare himself for his meeting with the girl, and he didn't want to think about the possibility that some other shepherd with a larger flock of sheep had arrived there before him and asked for her hand. It's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting, he thought, as he looked again at the position of the sun and hurried his pace. He had suddenly remembered that in Tarifa, there was an old woman who interpreted dreams. The 
old woman led the boy to a room at the back of her house. It was separated from a living room by a curtain of colored beads. The room's furnishings consisted of a table, an image of the sacred heart of Jesus, and two chairs. The woman sat down and told him to be seated as well. Then she took both of his hands in hers and began quietly to pray. It sounded like a gypsy prayer. The boy had already had experience on the road with gypsies. They also traveled, but they had no flocks of sheep. People said that gypsies spent their lives tricking others. It was also said that they had a pact with the devil and that they kidnapped children and taking them away to their mysterious camps made them their slaves. As a child, the boy had always been frightened to death that he would be captured by gypsies. And this childhood fear returned when the old woman took his hands in hers. But she has the sacred heart of Jesus there, he thought, trying to reassure himself. He didn't want his hand to begin trembling, showing the old woman that he was fearful. He recited an Our Father silently. Very interesting, said the woman, never taking her eyes from the boy's hands, and then she fell silent. The boy was becoming nervous. His hands began to tremble, and the woman sensed it. He quickly pulled his hands away. I didn't come here to have you read my palm, he said, already regretting having come. He thought for a moment that it would be better to pay her fee and leave without learning a thing, that he was giving too much importance to his recurrent dream. You came so that you could learn about your dreams, said the old woman, and dreams are the language of God. When he speaks in our language, I can interpret what he has said. But if he speaks in the language of the soul, it is only you who can understand. But whichever it is, I'm going to charge you for the consultation. Another trick, the boy thought, but he decided to take a chance. A shepherd always took his chances with wolves and with drought. And that's what makes a shepherd's life exciting. I've had the same dream twice, he said. I dreamed that I was in a field with my sheep when a child appeared and began to play with the animals. I don't like people to do that because the sheep are afraid of strangers. But children always seem to be able to play with them without frightening them. I don't know why. I don't know how animals know the age of human beings. Tell me more about your dream, said the woman. I have to get back to my cooking, and since you don't have much money, I can't give you a lot of time. The child went on playing with my sheep for quite a while, continued the boy, a bit upset. And suddenly, the child took me by both hands and transported me to the Egyptian pyramids. He paused for a moment to see if the woman knew what the Egyptian pyramids were, but she said nothing. Then, at the Egyptian pyramids, he said the last three words slowly so that the old woman would understand. The child said to me, if you come here... You will find a hidden treasure. And just as she was about to show me the exact location, I woke up both times. The woman was silent for some time. Then she again took his hand and studied them carefully. I'm not going to charge you anything now, she said. But I want one-tenth of the treasure if you find it. The boy laughed out of happiness. He was going to be able to save the little money he had because of a dreams about hidden treasure?
Well, interpret the dream, he said. First, swear to me. Swear that you will give me one-tenth of your treasure in exchange for what I am going to tell you. The shepherd swore that he would. The old woman asked him to swear again while looking at the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. It's a dream in the language of the world, she said. I can interpret it, but the interpretation is very difficult. That's why I feel that I deserve a part of what you find. And this is my interpretation. You must go to the pyramids in Egypt. I have never heard of them, but if it was a child who showed them to you, they exist. There you will find a treasure that will make you a rich man. The boy was surprised and then irritated. He didn't need to seek out the old woman for this, but then he remembered that he wasn't going to have to pay anything. I didn't need to waste my time just for this, he said. I told you that your dream was a difficult one. It's the simple things in life that are the most extraordinary. Only wise men are able to understand them. And since I am not wise, I have had to learn other arts, such as the reading of palms. Well, how am I going to get to Egypt? I only interpret dreams. I don't know how to turn them into reality. That's why I have to live off of what my daughters provide me with. And what if I never get to Egypt? Then I don't get paid. It wouldn't be the first time. And the woman told the boy to leave, saying she had already wasted too much time with him. So the boy was disappointed. He decided that he would never again believe in dreams. He remembered that he had a number of things he had to take care of. He went to the market for something to eat. He traded his book for one that was thicker, and he found a bench in the plaza where he could sample the new wine he had bought. The day was hot, and the wine was refreshing. The sheep were at the gates of the city, in a stable that belonged to a friend. The boy knew a lot of people in the city. That was what made traveling appealing to him. He always made new friends, and he didn't need to spend all of his time with them. When someone sees the same people every day, as had happened with him at the seminary, they wind up becoming a part of that person's life, and then they want the person to change. If someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should lead their lives, but none about his or her own. He decided to wait until the sun had sunk a bit lower in the sky before following his flock back through the fields. Three days from now, he would be with the merchant's daughter. He started to read the book he had bought. On the very first page, it described a burial ceremony, and the names of the people involved were very difficult to pronounce. If he ever wrote a book, he thought, he would present one person at a time so that the reader wouldn't have to worry about memorizing a lot of names. When he was finally able to concentrate on what he was reading, he liked the book better. The bureau was on a snowy day and he welcomed the feeling of being cold. As he read on, an old man sat down at his side and tried to strike up a conversation. What are they doing? The old man asked, pointing at the people on the plaza. Working, the boy answered dryly, making it look as if he wanted to concentrate on his reading. Actually, he was thinking about shearing his sheep in front of the merchant's daughter so that 
she could see that he was someone who was capable of doing difficult things. He had already imagined this scene many times. Every time the girl became fascinated when he explained that the, sh the sheep had to be sheared from back to front. He also tried to remember some good stories to relate as he sheared the sheep. Most of them he had read in books, but he would tell them as if they were from his personal experience. He would never know the difference because he didn't know how to read. Meanwhile, the old man persisted in his attempt to strike up a conversation. He said that he was tired and thirsty and asked if he might have a sip of the boy's wine. The boy offered his bottle, hoping that the old man would leave him alone. But the old man wanted to talk, and he asked the boy what book he was reading. The boy was tempted to be rude and moved to another bench, but his father had taught him to be respectfully of the elderly. So he held out the book to the man for two reasons. First, that he himself wasn't sure how to pronounce the title, and second, that if the old man didn't know how to read, he would probably feel ashamed and decide of his own record to change benches. Hmm, said the old man, looking at all sides of the book as if it were some strange object. This is an important book, but it's really irritating. The boy was shocked. The old man knew how to read and had already read the book. And if the book was irritating... As the old man had said, the boy still had time to change it for another. It's a book that says the same thing almost all the other books in the world say, continued the old man. It discussed people's inability to choose their own personal legends, and it ends up saying that everyone believes the world's greatest lie. What's the world's greatest lie, the boy asked, completely surprised. It's this. That at a certain point in our lives, we lose control of what's happening to us and our lives become controlled by fate. That's the world's greatest lie. That's never happened to me, the boy said. They wanted me to be a priest, but I decided to become a shepherd. Much better, said the old man, because you really like to travel. He knew what I was thinking, the boy said to himself. The old man, meanwhile, was leafing through the book without seeming to want to return it at all. The boy noticed that the man's clothing was strange. He looked like an Arab, which was not unusual in those parts. Africa was only a few hours from Tarifa and had only to cross the narrow straits by boat. Arabs often appeared in the city, shopping and chanting their strange prayers several times a day. Where are you from? the boy asked. From many places. No one can be from many places, the boy said. I'm a shepherd, and I have been to many places, but I come from only one place, from a city near an ancient castle. That's where I was born. Well then, he could say that I was born in Salem. The boy didn't know where Salem was, but he didn't want to ask, fearing that he would appear ignorant. He looked at the people in the plaza for a while. They were coming and going, and all of them seemed to be very busy. So what is Salem like, he asked, trying to get some sort of clue. It's like it always has been. No clue yet, but he knew that Salem wasn't in Andalusia. If it were, he would already have heard of it. And what do you do in Salem? He insisted. What do I do in Salem? The old man laughed. Well, I'm the king of Salem. 
People say strange things, the boy thought. Sometimes it's better to be with the sheep who don't say anything, and better still to be alone with one's books. They tell their incredible stories at the time when you want to hear them. But when you're talking to people, they say some things that are so strange that you don't know how to continue the conversation. My name is Melchenzenek, said the old man. How many sheep do you have? Enough, said the boy. He could see that the old man wanted to know more about his life. Well then, we've got a problem. I can't help you if you feel you've got enough sheep. The boy was getting irritated. He wasn't asking for help. It was the old man who had asked for a drink of his wine and had started the conversation. Give me my books, the boy asked. I have to go and gather my sheep and get going. Give me one-tenth of your sheep, said the old man, and I'll tell you how to find the hidden treasure. The boy remembered his dream, and suddenly everything was clear to him. The old woman hadn't charged him anything, but the old man, maybe he was her husband, was going to find a way to get much more money in exchange for information about something that didn't even exist. The old man was probably a gypsy too. But before the boy could say anything, the old man leaned over, picked up a stick, and began to write in the sand of the plaza. Something bright reflected from his chest with some intensity that the boy was momentarily blinded. With a movement that was too quick for someone his age, the man covered whatever it was with his cape. When his vision returned to normal, the boy was able to read what the old man had written in the sand. There, in the sand of the plaza of the small city, the boy read the names of his father and his mother and the name of the seminary he had attended. He read the name of the merchant's daughter, which he hadn't even known, and he read things he had never told anyone. Okay, guys, I'm going to stop right there. Good read, good read. I have to go to sleep because I have to go to work tomorrow. So um, I will uh, start recording the next part tomorrow. So stay tuned, guys. Have a great night. Oh, Mateo. Mm-hmm.